that now becomes, I think, the greatest catalyst for a potential marketing conversation that could potentially exist. This is Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, episode 42. You're listening to Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, brought to you by the fine folks at Response Suite. I don't know about you, but now when I log into the Google Ad, Ads platform, I just look, I just get completely confused because between when I used to run it for myself and now, everything has changed. <laughs> it's really true. Hey, this is Rob and Kennedy. Hello. From Response Suite. And we're back here with another episode of Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast. This week, we're talking about AdWords. What I really love about AdWords is it's a really quick way of just turning some traffic on and seeing, getting quick results really, really quickly. When you compare AdWords to something like search engine optimization, you could be optimizing for a whole bunch of words that might have a massive audience, but they might be an audience of people who don't buy or have low pricing um, attraction or whatever. Whereas with this, you can turn it on, that's good, and it works. Oh, it doesn't work, and you can change. And with, with SEO, you'll spend months setting something up only to find out it does or doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And that's what's really appealing about it, I think. Mm. Before we get into this week's episode, I should point out, this sounds like we're playing a brand new drinking game where every time you call it Google AdWords, we have to drink. Because of course, it's called, just called Google Ads now. You sound like you're... Is it actually it's called Google Ads? It actually sounds like we're keyword stuffing into the podcast Verbally. audio, <laughs> which obviously doesn't work. Remember that keyword stuffing? They just Basically, you just write your keyword onto your webpage over and over again, and Google will go, that's, that's lovely, that. So it's called Google Ads now. It is. Yeah. the way around. Sorry. So now, funny. today, we're chatting to Kasim Aslam, who is a genius, a genius, full stop, yeah. but a genius in the world of Google Ads. And Not only is he brilliant at Google Ads, he's probably one of the most intelligent people I've ever met in my life. He's really good at looking at the numbers. And what more important than that is looking at the data that the ads give him and interpreting that into actual tactical things he can do to change the ads to make them perform more. But my favorite thing about Kasim is he is a failed actor. That's what, in his own words, he tried the acting thing for years. He actually started up his own business in order to support his acting career and actually allow him to pay his way. And it turns out his business took off, but the acting career, uh, not so much. He's been in loads of films, though, hasn't he? He's been in absolutely loads of films. I've got a number somewhere here. It's a few. I think it's a few, yeah. What is it like? I don't know. Anyway, a lot. A lot Far a too lot. many. Far too many. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, this is, uh, again, obviously another episode of things that Robin Kennedy don't understand so we get an expert to come and make them nice and simple for us uh, and that's what we're going to do today it is yeah and we're looking forward to it before we get into any more of that we're going to go into rob's quote of the week yes because as they say make hay today in the face of victory couldn't have said that better myself and of course if you are currently making hay or you're looking at trying to make more hay you're building your coaching business you've got any kind of uh, anything where you need an application form then have we got a treat for you because over the last few years rob and i have been crazily crazily studying what makes the perfect application form to get more applicants actually applying and then how you can use the data they give you to offer coaching calls and offer your services to all the people who do actually qualify for your coaching program and actually make different offers to the people 
who don't. And you can find out all about this, download our entire template, which gives you the colors, the questions to ask, the layout, all that sort of stuff to have a higher converting application form for your product or service. And you can do that over at perfectapplicationform.com. And it's completely free for you to download right now, just for being a listener here at the three market that's walking to a podcast. Now it's time to make Google ads simple so that we can all understand it. Let's go and chat to Kasim. Kasim, welcome to Free Market. Let's walk into the podcast. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. We can't wait. We can't wait. We're going to be talking about Google, all things Google Ads. So you're obviously a big Google Ads fan and expert. So tell us a little bit about Google Ads, because I remember it back in the day when it was AdWords, because they've had a rebrand. I remember when it was AdWords, spending all of my money and making none, and then that was a sad day. So, <laughs> tell, us, so tell us about Google Ads now. And That's why, not an uncommon narrative. Um, why is it awesome? I think that Google, you know, everybody looks at Google Ads as though it's one of the tools on your tool belt. It's like one of the things that you should be doing in the realm of digital marketing. And I disagree strongly. Now, if, you, if you're good with a, a hammer, you think everything's a nail, right, is the old adage. So, of course, I would say that. But um, I believe that Google is and should be your first line of defense. Google is the strongest way to identify intent. And in the realm of marketing, I think intent is the single most important um, positioning in the funnel. Let's when step some... back again because um, I want to just interrupt you there, if that's all right. Because no, please. We, 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 we hear this word intent a lot. Can, we, can I just get what you think intent is or what you mean there? Yeah. So I think if you know, somebody can't explain something simply, they don't understand it well enough. Intent means that, that a prospect has told you in not so many words, oftentimes, that they want to do something. And sometimes you have to intuit that, right? So if I go to Google and say, um, my, my toilet is clogged, I might be looking for a DIY solution. Uh, I might not necessarily be looking for a plumber yet, but I have indicated that I have the intent to unclog my toilet. So if you're a plumber, that now becomes, I think, the greatest catalyst for a potential marketing conversation that could potentially exist. No other facet of marketing can do that other than search. Search identifies intent. And interestingly, Google has created a construct within which high commercial intent key phrases uh, favor paid advertising. So you think to yourself, oftentimes people look at organic and paid as though they're, they're two facets of the same ecosystem. Nothing could be further from the truth. With organic search, um, you're going to favor things that um, veer towards thought leadership. You know, it's people that at the very tippity top of the funnel that are just trying to learn. And as you scale down to intent, you'll notice that your words change, specifically your verbs. You want to do something, buy something, go somewhere, learn something. Um, those terms favor a paid search, both in Google's ecosystem, in terms of the way that they rank content, and also in terms of the, the, the psychology of the buyer, um, because you're, you're more likely to click on paid ads um, when you're closer to the bottom of the funnel. So going all the way back to what I was saying originally, Google, I'm not telling it should be your only marketing strategy. It shouldn't, but I think it should be your first marketing strategy because what Google allows you to do is identify what works at the extreme bottom of your sales funnel. Everybody starts from the top of the funnel and moves down. This is cataclysmic. It's catastrophic. There could be nothing dumber or worse because when you start at the top of the funnel and move down, you have to now nurture this client all the way down to the bottom of the funnel and then see if they're going to buy, what makes them buy, what verbiage resonates, what pricing resonates. Um, what the you know what it is? That's like. just a massive mic drop moment there because my eyes are 
popping out in my head because what happens for a lot of people is, I mean, basically to think of it as a group of people of, of herds of people is we try and use, a lot of people will try and use top of the funnel content, all mm-hmm. that big content marketing stuff, which obviously is, is, is in a proliferation right now. It's at its peak. Everyone's talking about it, but actually what you're doing is you're just paying, whether it's with your time or with investment of cash or, or capital or, or, or human resources, you're just paying to get the largest group of the least qualified people <laughs> who, who might be at some point in their lives, perhaps a bit interested. Yeah. And we're spending all that time collecting those people and trying to refine the funnel at the top end of that funnel and going, does this bit of content work? Well, it might work. And what do you mean by work? Does that mean, yes, it gets you a massive bunch of useless contacts. You couldn't be more right. I, I couldn't have said it better myself. And the worst part about it is, is you do it over and over and over again. Once they're in your funnel, it's not like you go from there to purchase. The way funnels are structured now is you have these multivariant, multi-tier, you know, if this, then that. So like you downloaded my league magnet account. Now can I get you to watch my webinar? You watch my webinar. Now can I get you to download my calculator and use it? You use my calculator. Now can I get you to take my training session? And in every, I haven't monetized a single one of those. And if I have, then it's typically a loss leader. And in each one of those sessions, you have massive conversion drop off all the while still not qualified what you really want to do, which is proof of concept that people will buy. So what Google allows you to do, and it's not just Google, it's paid search. If Google goes by the wayside tomorrow, I'm not Google specific. I'm just telling you, I want to go where the intent is. I'm going to go to the bottom of the funnel and then I'm going to move one step up because Google lets me know that I can qualify my business model essentially, and then move one step up and say, okay, if people are, are hiring me, Mr. Plumber, Um, At these rates, after using this verbiage from this key source of pain, now I can move a step up in the sales funnel and I build my funnel, but I build it from the bottom up. So now my next, instead of going, you know, uh, 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 understanding content, lead magnet, tripwire, core offer, ascension, I start with my core offer and then from there I can move to my tripwire and move one step up in the funnel. It's a bit like checking that your shopping cart works before running some ads to make to get some people there isn't it you, you want to make sure the thing you eventually want to drive to the people to the thing that actually converts into cash and revenue actually converts because otherwise the whole thing everything above it doesn't work at all this is really really interesting for me but here's a big question let's imagine that we've got our listeners and they've got their uh, they've got their funnel set up they've got their membership programs they've got all their sales stuff in place they're all good to go in other words their business is what i would call traffic ready if somebody could just give them all the traffic in the world everything's good to go and they don't maybe know whether it converts you or not they haven't done all the stuff you've just talked about and they're ready to get started what's the first thing somebody should do in order to start using google ads effectively What's our little roadmap to follow? It's such a great question. And it's honestly, my answer is going to be, it's going to be simplistic. And I think it's going to piss some people off in its simplicity. You need a 90 day ramp in order to test what you know to be the closest catalytic phrases to a purchase intent. So let's say you run a membership site that teaches people how to run podcasts. You're going to go out and, and, and just think about what are the phrases that somebody who would join my membership site, what, what are the phrases that they would look for? How to start a podcast. I want to start a podcast. Things to know before you start a podcast, etc. cetera. Um, I like to use, and this gets, this dives deep, but you guys told me you want to dive deep. So let's do this. Yeah, let's go for I it. like to use single key phrase ad groups. It's called SCAG, S-K-A-G. Um, just Google SCAG and, and, and there's a wealth of, of information online. Um, what a lot of people do when they're running Google ads is, is they throw, you know, 30 phrases into a single ad group and then try to test all 30 phrases as though they're the same thing. Google 
is semantically obsessed. There's a difference between house and home. I know because I have the highest performing real estate investment campaign on the planet and I can prove it with data. There's a difference between house and home. There's a difference between buy and buying. Um, Google is semantically obsessed. So what I like to do is I like to take one key phrase with a few slight variances like house buyer, house buying and house, you know, buy my house. Those might be in the same ad group, but it's still in my mind a single key phrase ad group. And then I bid on that. My, all my ad copy is written to that key phrase. The landing page copy is written to that key phrase. You maintain a level of continuity that is consistent, that, that keeps your, your users buying experience consistent. Because if somebody says, sell my house fast and you land them on a, a page that says, sell my home, you just broke their trust a little bit. They don't realize it. You don't realize it. But the psychological attachment that somebody has to their property when they use the word home is significant. And if you're not willing to uh, invest the time necessary to properly test each of these free key phrases, then you're never really going to know whether or not it worked or it didn't work. So, so would Google, you spend more time creating more landing pages that match rather than investing that time in just more keywords then? Yes, absolutely. Now, you don't need to, you don't need to customize the entire landing page. I, I'm, I'm of the opinion that you, you uh, prove concept first, not on my second. So you could have the same landing page and all I want you to do is change the title, number one. So the very first words I see are, are, are consistent with what I search for. But again, in my business, uh, agency is different than company. If somebody searches for PPC agency, they're a different person than searching for PPC company. So I'll have the same landing page, but I present PPC company if you search for company. The other thing that I'd recommend doing is also making sure that you update imagery. So, you know, with our real estate investment campaign, we um, advertise for people that are looking to buy, fix, and flip houses. And if you search for uh, sell my house fast in Atlanta, Georgia, I want to show you an image that looks like the imagery that uh, reflects houses in Atlanta, Georgia, which is way different than if you're in Phoenix, Arizona. So making sure that you're consistent with A, what they're searching for, and then B, with who you know they are from a demographic and or psychographic perspective. And you can, again, you can intuit those things based off of where they're searching from, what your segmentation looks like, how you set up your marketing campaign. It, this isn't, here's what's really interesting about Google Ads. It's not hard, it's tedious. It goes back to Vince Lombardi talking about fundamentals. You know, it's just blocking and tackling. It's not hard, it's tedious. These aren't things that you wouldn't be able to figure out, but you have to spend the time. And so many people throw up a landing page, throw up some key phrase, drive a bunch of traffic to it, and it's no wonder that it falls flat because we're not maintaining the continuity that people need in order to build trust with this type of prospect. Okay, so how often are you going in there and like looking at that and analyzing that? Like for some people, they're like, I want to set it up and I'm going to check it every 25 seconds. On the <laughs> other extreme, there's like, I'm going to set it up. I'm going to check it next week. So it's had some time to, to you know, do a little bit of a, a mojo dance with the algorithm and it's had time to have a nice time. Like how often should we be checking that and, and being on top of it? That's such a brilliant question. So there's an academic answer and then there's the real answer. The academic answer is you're supposed to optimize on a base 100 schedule, meaning you need 100 impressions before you, you know what your click-through rate is. You need 100 clicks before you know what your conversion rate is. You need 100 conversions before you know what your, your sales rate is, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That small businesses can't afford that. Um, bigger businesses don't have the time for that. You need to work with someone that has, has the experience to be able to accelerate that schedule a little bit. If, you, if I have experience in the SaaS space, for instance, and I'm, I'm marketing a, a SaaS product, software as a service, um, because of my experience, I typically know when I've reached the boiling point or, or threshold or critical mass. And so I know it's not a great answer, but over time, you will start to intuit like, wow, this, this ad, came, you know, ad campaign A is really outperforming ad campaign B. I'm going to veer over to A. If you don't have that experience, then you need to at least allow enough time to reach base 100. Um, and that's yeah. not... That's not significant if your cost per click is low. That could be really significant if your cost per click is very high. 
Right. Okay. So let's just step back before we go you know, much further and deeper into how we might get started setting up our, maybe our first campaign. If you're going to go in there from flat, we'll, we'll, we'll get, get into that in a second. But just in case anybody might be a bit like me, honestly, I'm a bit out of the loop with what Google Ads does these days and where it is. I remember when I used to run my own Google Ads for a, a business I had, oh, I don't know, 15 or 16 years ago, it was literally search. It was literally in the search results. Where are we now? just so we can get a context for this, where are we able to display our ads through the Google ads network? Not to sound petulant, but it might be easy for me to describe where we can't. Right. <laughs> okay. So it's, it, it's, you know, it truly is everywhere. Google display network is, you know, they have uh, an entire ecosystem of, of what I guess they would refer to as value added resellers who are displaying their ads on their sites. Um, and they allow for content based segmentation. That's pretty cool. Um, it's permeates the entire Google ecosystem. So Gmail ads that for some reason people are ignoring to their detriment because we've had nothing but amazing amounts of success with Gmail ads. Um, YouTube ads, uh, YouTube ads, of course, remarketing, um, in app ads, they're, they're, they have really good, they're toying with push notifications. Now the Google ecosystem, I think is, is the farthest reaching, uh, from a cloud perspective, excuse me. So if you really want to get in front of a prospect uh, and you want to be able to market to them and remarket to them in a multivariant ecosystem, you can't not use Google. Was that a good answer? Yeah, it was a really good answer. I mean, I, I've seen it all over the place, but I just wanted to make sure there wasn't any holes in there. And I'd, I'd forgotten about the in-app ads. That's huge. And funnily enough, I remember even back in the day, I, I bought some guy's course. I don't, I don't remember who it was now, but about 15 years ago, about the Gmail. In, in, yeah. And I, I absolutely tore it up. Because you could tell based on people's conversations and what was going on, you could bang an advert right to them. And it was like witchcraft at the time, oh, right? Unbelievable. This was before, I mean, it was, it was the next best thing. I mean, the only thing that for me beat it in terms of actual wizardry was when retargeting came around. I mean, I think we all remember where we were that day. <laughs> <laughs> it was a significant day. And I was like, oh, I can do toasters and now there's toasters everywhere. <laughs> now That's we're going into our first game of the episode. Now we, we, uh, we have a very special game for you today because you actually have a former life as an actor, don't you? Yeah, I was a field actor. You'd be shocked at how few roles there are for nine foot tall Pakistanis. They just don't talk to you. <laughs> so, well, we've got one for you right here. So we've got a really fun game. So this is how it works. Um, today, I stepped out of the office for a little while for lunch. And Kennedy and Grace, our content marketing queen here in the office, put together a list of films. They're well-known films that we will have uh, heard of and seen. And basically, I have to describe them to you. And you have to guess as many of them as you can in 60 seconds. But I'm not allowed to say the name of the film. So the rules are he can describe the plot he's not allowed to name any of the franchises of those films any of the character names or the name of the title of the movie all right got yeah. it so uh and you're gonna like slap me if i do any of those things uh yes you will get a beating across the face with that microphone you excellent 60 <laughs> seconds and your first one starts now okay so there is an alien from outer space uh he gets a, sort of adopted and taken on by a little boy e. um yep. yes uh, so this is about like uh, the mafia, um, and it's probably the most famous film about the mafia. Godfather. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, a little girl gets uh, swept off in a hurricane, taken off to a strange place where there's lots of little people, um, and there is a man that she wants to go and see, uh, a road that's yellow. Oh, Wizard of Oz. Uh, this is uh, happens in space. Uh, there is uh, like um, uh, um, somebody who's somebody else's father. Um, Star Wars. 
there is a, a man uh, kills people. Uh, it's named after. It's one of the most famous horror films of all time. Uh, it's named after uh, a popular. Um, it's it's about being very quiet. And uh, the, the thing that's being very quiet is a popular, uh, a popular small furry farmyard animal. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've never seen the film, so I don't know the plot. I've got just got the title. Yeah. Oh, there you go. I don't think I've ever seen this one either. Can we pass? Oh no! Oh, there you go. There it was, you go. It was Silence of the Lambs. Was Silence of the Lambs. Oh, it was a small farmyard animal being very quiet. <laughs> that was pretty good. That was four. I wasted a lot of time writing down twenty-two. <laughs> Ah, I've got to love, got to love a morning. Well, we'll keep the rest for the next time that we have you on the podcast. We definitely. That's awesome. <laughs> Moving on, let's dive really deep into this because, as I said, let's in, let's take me for example. I've got funnels and I've got pages and I've got things going on, and I have a Google account, like I have a Google Ads account. I looked at once and then logged out, so I'm ready to start. But I have done nothing else other than log in, create a Google account, add my add my credit cards so they can take all my money, and now I'm good to go. Yeah. So you've already done that whole idea of the intent, which I love. That I love the fact that. Where Facebook advertising is that interruption advertising saying, hello, I know you're busy looking at pictures of cats, but would you like to buy this thing you've never even heard of? That's what, that's what Facebook is. Google is very much about, I'm looking for a solution to this problem. So you've written down some good search intent phrases around, oh, I really want help with, how do I do this? That's great. You've got your little spreadsheet. You've done a, you've done a little bit of research to make sure they're searched for probably. Yeah. I think I could probably handle that using some of the tools online. What the hell do we do next? So uh, this gets a little combative and forgive me. You said earlier that, hey, I ran a bunch of ads on Google and I didn't make any money. That to me is exciting. It's exciting to hear because it means that Google is telling you something. If Google is the strongest indicator of intent, which I believe, it's also the closest thing we have to a digital God in existence. And I'm not trying to be blasphemous when I say that, but if you look at the archetype, archetypal God construct 20,000 years ago, it was the entity to whom we pose all of our questions. And now Google is the entity to whom we pull all of our questions. So I'm not saying God does or doesn't exist. I'm saying that Google has replaced a major facet of what might be most important to humanity. And so if you, if you just to contextualize how important it is, I, I want to make that point and be a little dramatic about it. Um, if people go to the Google machine and they search specifically for your service, you know, let's say you're a cobbler and they say, hey, I need somebody to repair my shoes. And they see your ad and your ad is consistent with their search and they click on your ad and they go to your website and your website is clean, clear, and transparent, mobile responsive, and they don't call you, that's exciting because they just told you something. There's something about your narrative, your pricing, your positioning, your targeting that is inadequate. And to walk away from that is, is a flawed decision. So when people fail on Google, they throw their hands up, say Google doesn't work, and they walk away. I want them to get excited because they just had the best litmus test of their business model ever in the most controlled, most honest, most respected ecosystem that has ever existed in the history of humanity and advertising. And you played a game and you lost, but you can either walk away or you can try to figure out where along the way you went wrong. And, and, and it leaves clues. If you're you know, trying to spend and your ads aren't showing, meaning your impression rate is really low, typically because your quality score is really low, it means your ad copy sucks. or there's something about your website that Google hates. So if you're not even being shown, there's a really strong indicator of what you need to change. If your ads are being shown often, but nobody's clicking on uh, those ads, now you know your, your, your issues with the ad copy. And now you have a narrative problem. You have a content problem. And you can go take a story brand course, or you can hire a copywriter. And that, again, to me, is just such valuable information. It's information that your Facebook customers aren't going to give you, because of course, they're going to download your lead magnet. They're not going to tell you four steps later, they, read, they didn't buy us because you don't articulate your value proposition well enough. And then it, let's say that people are clicking, but they're not converting on your website. Again, 
now you know that something about your landing page, something about the way you're articulating yourself, the way that you're presenting your information is flawed. I'm not a believer in the whole, oh, if my landing page were blue instead of red, people will convert. I think that the internet is nothing more than a, a conduit for content dissemination, and it's what you're saying and how you're saying it that's important. And so what Google lets you do, and I don't want people to advertise on Google in the beginning thinking, oh, I'm going to monetize. You advertise in the, in the beginning because you're, you're testing the efficacy of your business model. Can I afford to play in this ecosystem? Can I compete with this competitive market? Can I attract this customer? Does what I say resonate? And is, is what I'm charging consistent with what they're experiencing elsewhere? And these are all answers that you can get answered instantly. It used to take us a decade to figure that out. And now I can do it in 90 days. And so when people get frustrated that Google isn't working, I want to change their paradigm and say, get excited. We're going to we're going to fix your business faster and with more efficacy than you could ever do before. And we're going to use the God of the internet to do it. And I realized I just got really excited there, guys. I'm so sorry. This, <laughs> this, this this, 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 I didn't expect to be, this to be such a motivation. This is like if Tony <laughs> did Google AdWords. <laughs> There's a real troubleshooting process to that, which is nice to see. It's not a case of, well, I put in $10,000 in ads over there and I didn't make any money back. It's I put in $10,000 in ads and I can see along that way, actually for the first little while, I wasn't getting anyone seeing the ads. So that's, that's where the problem is. Or I was getting people seeing the ad, but people weren't clicking. So that's where the problem falls down. Or, well, people were seeing it and clicking, but then still weren't buying. So now I have to deal with the page. So that's a really nice, like linear troubleshooting process for somebody who's not particularly, you know, particularly data driven or bright like me to be able to look at that and say, actually, that's just a really, I'm, I, uh, is that working? No. Okay. I need to fix it. Is that bit working? Okay. Now it is. Okay. Now I need to fix the next bit. So that, that works really nicely for me. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And when is it in this process that, I mean, when you start a new campaign, would you advise people only pick one channel, for example, let's say the Gmail channel and or, or the I don't know search channel as as the actual channel to get your ads out there so you can like refine that or would you say just bang it out everywhere see what happens like when how do you how do you figure that bit out that's a great question I'd start with search um, that's I think a ubiquitous statement the only time that's not true is if you're selling something that people aren't generally searching for or you're going for a pivot so if you have a brand new solution that people just wouldn't know exists, then you might want to use something like YouTube, interspace segmentation, Gmail, et cetera. Um, or if you're, you know, for instance, if you're Southwest Airlines and you're trying to steal business away from Greyhound bus, that's not a competitor necessarily. That's an alternative. And so you might need to get creative there. With those two exceptions, always start with search because, again, search is the primary indicator of intent. And, and you search, turn everything else off initially, just go, let's refine this on search. Let's get it going so we can maximize our budget. Because of course, as, as, as small businesses, budget is a real concern. So I'm just trying to figure out, is that what you would do? Yes. So start with search and start with the, the, the most narrow amount of key phrases you can that still have traffic. So for instance, if you're a Montessori school, and I bring this up because we have a, an agency that services Montessori schools specifically. If you're a Montessori school, the best key phrase for you is Montessori preschool near me. It's not preschool near me. It's not school near me because that starts to travel up the funnel a little bit, doesn't it? The mm -hmm. best bottom of the funnel key phrase you can get is Montessori preschool near me. Now, let's say you're in an area that doesn't have the awareness about Montessori school. Then you go preschool near me. Um, you want to be at the extreme bottom of the funnel, as close to the bottom of the funnel as you can get while there's still traffic. And that's the apex. That's where you start to learn about your target market and you know, what they're willing to pay, what they're willing to engage with, what resonates with them, et cetera. As you learn those lessons, and again, I'm not telling you to only use Google. What I'm telling you is Google will inform everything else. Your email marketing campaigns, for instance, the subject lines that you use, those should come straight from your Google ads. 
because you now know what verbiage resonates with your prospects. Why wouldn't you use that in your push? Same thing with your Facebook campaigns, or your outbound marketing campaigns, your press releases, everything that you're presenting in your Google ads that becomes qualified because you know people are actually buying. Now that narrative transfers and permeates the entire rest of your marketing strategy. Google is your, your, um, it's your gold, gold detector, your metal detector. It's the thing that helps you find what works that you can then travel through the rest of your, your marketing campaign. That's really, really cool. And you, you said something interesting before that flagged my attention. And I want to ask this, you mentioned the before this kind of 90 days thing. So you could work with somebody uh, 90 days later, they could have a real kind of paradigm shift in their business and really turn things around. Uh, that's a good time kind of indicator. What's a real, and this is probably a how big is a piece of string type question, but what's <laughs> a kind of typical budget that somebody should expect? So if somebody comes into this and they say, well, you know, I've got $500 to invest. Is that enough? Or do they have to come into this and because say, there is, there is a point at which you just go, Actually, I mean, with lots of marketing, there is a point where you just go, well, actually, you better, you might as well just put that 500 bucks back in your pocket because you will waste the 500 bucks. And, I mean, and my extension of that question, actually, Rob, would be, is there a bit of math to be done here to do with how much you're willing to invest over the amount of time based on stuff? <laughs> yeah, based on like, I don't know, like the value of your, of, of, your, of your product or the price point of your product. How do you go about that, that budgeting bit? That's, it's a great question. I have, a, I have a more direct answer than I think you'd expect. Let's assume that you're a localized, meaning it's not a national campaign. You're going for your specific city or municipality. You're localized and you don't have obscene levels of competition. Like you're not a plastic surgeon, for example. Uh, I think you need to spend 2,000 US, which is what, 1,500 pounds? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I think you need to be roughly two grand US for three months. That's in spend. So if there's a fee, meaning you're paying a professional, and I believe you should, obviously, then that's over and above the fee. If you're not at two grand and you're not in a, uh, you know, if you're an arborist, for instance, you can probably get away with a lot less. Um, But if you, you know, you have a, a, it's the 80%, let's call it Pareto's principle. 80% of people can prove concept two grand a month for 90 days. That's where I would draw the line. Uh, my Montessori schools can spend $1,000 a month in perpetuity forever and be very successful because Montessori is such a hyper-focused niche. If you're you know, a judo studio, you could probably get away doing the same thing. But if you're a chiropractor or a cosmetic dentist, um, then you have to spend the two grand. And there are some industries where the ecosystem is burned because there are competitive alternatives that are willing to spend more than the click is worth. For instance, um, Roto-Rooter is a plumbing company here in the States. Uh, we had the largest privately held plumbing company in Arizona as a client. Roto-Rooter came into Arizona and for two years hemorrhaged money. They spent more per click than the job was worth, knowing all they needed to do was burn out all the little plumbers. Google's, it's a bid structure. It's based off the Kinsey auction model, where the highest bidder wins but pays the second highest bidder's price, which means that everybody bids the value of the click, which means it's really easy for clicks to get really high. If you have a competitor that's dumping obscene amounts of dumb money and they're doing it intelligently, which is a funny thing to say, dumping down money intelligently, then they can price you out of that ecosystem. That's one of the things you're trying to learn in the first 90 days. I'm not here to tell you Google always works. I'm here to tell you that you should know whether or not it's going to work at the expiration of the 90-day mile, milestone. Very, very cool. This is amazing. Now, we're going to roll into the second and favorite game of the podcast episode. Uh, what's going to happen is my colleague Kennedy, hello, that's him, is going to sing a song for you now, but he's going to sing a song in the style of a traditional British club singer. And your job is simply to guess what song you think he is singing. So, without further ado, take it away. It's a pretty man, it's a pretty it's a journey. What? 
journey don't stop believing oh my, oh my God. goodness yes give that man a ding 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 only the second guest the in this second. many episodes to work out what it was you Look did say that. when we were chatting beforehand that you were gonna nail this and i was like he sounds a little bit cocky if, that, <laughs> the good. if shazam picked that up and worked it out <laughs> then somebody uh, honestly all the credit goes to kennedy he's just so good <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. I think it was oh, the man. voice. I did the husky voice. And that's <laughs> right. That's let so me cool. drag you back. I can't believe that happened. There you go. Um, let me drag you back because one of the things I want to talk about is obviously you run a really successful agency running Google ads and a lot of different ads, a lot of different companies. So let's get the inside scoop. And I'm going to push you pretty hard here. So please uh, take this in, in the good fun it's intended. How do, there's lots of people who email us all every day telling us how fantastically they can run our Google ads for us. So how do we figure out who are the good companies and who are the ones who are not so good? So are there certain questions we should be asking to try and get certain answers? Like how do we figure that bit out? That's such a great question. I have so many answers, so stop me when I start to bore you. Um, <laughs> you won't. Everybody hangs their hat on the Google Premier Partner status. I don't believe that's as important because it's based off a of spend threshold. So if you're looking for a Premier Partner, you're just getting a partner that Google has decided has spent enough money to get their special thumbs up. Go Google the words, how do I get a Premier Partner? And you'll notice that there's no, there's no specificity behind the answer. Um, that scares me a little bit because it means you're dealing with kind of the batch and blast. Agencies that have gotten big enough to sort of get Google's pat on the back. Google does not have your best interests in mind. Um, their mantra, don't be evil, I think only applies so far. So I wouldn't pay attention to their ecosystem or where they're trying to push, push you. Um, there's a couple of things. One, I don't believe in, in long-term contracts. I have a 90-day contract up front, and then it's month to month for the life of the campaign. Because if your campaign isn't performing, you should be able to walk. I run agencies. We have almost 80 recurring clients on a month-to-month -month basis. That's actually insanity for a business. I've had consultants come in and tell me that my business from an exit perspective is virtually worthless because I have nobody papered up. That's fine in my mind, though, because it means I have to go back and re-earn everybody's trust on a monthly basis, and it becomes one of my best sales tools. So make sure they're only charging, they only want month-to-month -month engagement, because that means they actually believe that they can pull off what it is that they're doing. Also, listen for honesty. I'll tell you this, there's two really bad, uh, two data points, one bad, one good. Of all the clients that start with us, only 50% retain after 90 days. I'll say that again because it's abysmal. It hurts my heart to say. Of everybody that signs up with us, only half of them retain after 90 days. More often than not, it's because they learn things about their market, their, comp their competitors, you know, paid leads are fickle, whatever. But regardless of the reason, 50% of people don't stay after 90 days. However, the people that do stay, I have a 95% retention rate for 18 months. And that's been, I've been in business for 13 years. So I've got 13 years with the data to show you. You want to hear sound bites like that. Ask them what happens if it doesn't work. How often does it not work? What do they do if it doesn't work? And I'll tell you, hey, you have a 50-50 shot if history is to be any judge. Um, now, when I have experience in an industry, that number goes through the roof. For instance, we have dedicated campaigns for real estate investors, um, integrated medical chiropractors, uh, cosmetic dentists, Montessori schools, stonemasons, other digital marketing agencies, uh, et cetera. So if I can come to you and say, I have experience, oh, uh, uh, solar power companies, if I have experience in a vertical or in an industry, what that does is, is puts me many times ahead. I think I'm the best PPC guy on the planet, okay, just to be arrogant in a second. But let's <laughs> say that you found a guy who is a, a guy or gal who is 10% better than me. If you put us head to head against each other, but you did it inside of real estate investing, I'm going to decimate them, even though they're better than me, because I have so much historical context and knowledge. So try to find somebody who's already been successful in your industry. And if you can't find that person, try to find somebody who has an analogous success. So in my mind, dentistry is analogous to chiropractic care because it you know, tends to kind of hover around the same um, levels and degrees. You're Mitch, not looking for... Perfect. Oh, sorry, go ahead. 
No, no, no. I'm just, I'm just like, it's, it makes perfect sense because you want to find marketing is not marketing. You know, it's like you go and find somebody who successfully sold what you sell the way that you want to sell it and let them do that. You don't want to be the guinea pig for someone. You're absolutely right. And you just said something that I really loved. It's marketing. So a lot of these PPC agencies, they're just data-driven nerds. They're, they're really engineers. They don't understand marketing, nuance, semantics, language, copy. Um, find a PPC agency that they're marketers first. Every member of my staff goes through digital marketers education and training. They're all marketers first and, and PPC advertisers second. Also, find people that are, that are focused, if not solely, at least in large part on PPC. These agencies that come out and there's now this new thing like the full stack digital marketer, kind of a play on the full stack developer. Mm. It's just such absurdity in my mind. How could anybody, any agency try to even begin to convince us of this lie that they can be the best at everything? Um, there's no... There's nothing in real life that parrots that. If your back is hurt, you go to a back specialist. You might go to a generalist to tell you which specialist to go to, but if you, if you need something, anything advanced done, you need to find somebody that focuses on that thing in every facet and avenue of life. Marketing is the exact same. So if you find an agency that says, oh yeah, we'll do your email marketing, your copy, your SEO, your PPC, your social, your web, there's, there's something about that that should be a red flag. Find somebody that focuses only on a handful of services and make sure that PPC is one of the core because there are 200 changes made a week in Facebook's dashboard. Pay-per-click marketing is, it's intense to try to keep up with that. And nobody's going to be able to keep up with that and a whole litany of other services. This is so, so cool. Now we're going to roll over into what we lovingly refer to as the quick fire round. Hey, hey, you don't want to miss out on more of these fabulous nuggets, do you? Make sure you subscribe to the Three Marketers Podcast now on your podcast player. What would be a book you'd recommend? Seven Critical Principles of Effective Digital Marketing. Whoa. <laughs> uh, what is your book? What Can a... you try and say that two times fast? <laughs> <laughs> I feel no, sorry no. for the people who are listening on like really hyper fast mode on the podcast. <laughs> um, what is your top success habit? Something you do regularly? I wake up at 4.30 every morning. <laughs> what? Who do you look up to? So many people, but um, I'm going to use my father. He owns, he owns Google. <laughs> yeah, am I allowed to say why? I know you said quick fire round. I don't want to get annoying. <laughs> okay, all right. What are some of your favorite apps right now that you think are super cool? Uh, I really love TaskRabbit. Not to plug anybody that charges you money, but it's like bite-sized VAs. So I can get anything done that I want to get done straight from my office. I don't have a lot of time. I'm sure you guys are the same way. And so I get, you know, if I want my car washed, I can have some kid come down and do it. And for 18 bucks an hour, I get it just knocked out. Hmm. That's very okay. cool. I wonder if that's available where we are. And a really big important question. Who do you like more, red-haired Rob or Platinum Kennedy? Kennedy, you sang to me. And that that's special. So I've just got to... I've got to go with you, brother. I'm sorry. That was the right answer. <laughs> Celebrate. <laughs> this is terrible. Finally, most importantly of all, where can people go to find out more about you? Uh, my agency website is sol8.com. My personal website is my first name, kasim.me, K-A-S-I-M.me. And uh, I'm lonely. So look me up. Let's chat. <laughs> Dude, thank you so, so much. This has been incredible and actually has really inspired me. Google ads were kind of on the shelf for me, really. It's kind of, oh, that's a thing I might look at one it was day. the thing I used to do. <laughs> the thing I used to do, it didn't work, and then I put them on the shelf. You're a bit like your acting career. You know, a bit of a has-been. Yeah. It'll come back cool. around someday. But I'm going to come back and uh, I'm definitely going to revisit. And this is a really great starting point. And I think we definitely have to have you back in a future episode so we can talk about more things within this realm because this is really- Oh, I'd love that. Gentlemen, appreciate you. Well, I'm pleased you sort of simplified that because whenever I look at my ads campaigns, I 
get very confused by that, that whole structure thing because I'm often looking at you running the Facebook ads and the way you think about that while similar is also completely different. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really useful to be able to get some initial steps for anyone who just isn't using ads right now and wants to get rolling. It is, yeah. And it's not, the other thing that you talked about, which is about running the ads into people's Gmail accounts, is massive. And I'm going to definitely be switching that back on in some of my businesses. I can tell you now, back in the, I've just totally forgotten about it. I mean, hand on heart, I was doing it. It was performing extremely well when I used to sell like persuasion training courses for, for salespeople back in the day. I used to absolutely clean up with it. And I've just totally, it's funny how you just forget stuff, isn't it? Mm. So I'm definitely take, take heed of that one. Now, of course, there's been loads in this episode, as always. So if you have missed anything or you want to get a recap, you can head over and check out Grace's full show notes. She's put together for you over at blog.responsesuite.com forward slash zero four two. Could we ask you a massive favor just before you leave us today? It would really help us and help everybody else to get the message out. If you go to your favorite podcast player, that might be iTunes, Stitcher, whatever you're listening on, the Google Podcast Store, and would you just leave us a review. Let us know your big takeaways, what you thought of the show. It really helps us to spread the word. And what's more important is I'd absolutely love to hear what you think of the show. If you are an iTunes user, you can just head over to responsesuite.com forward slash iTunes. Made it nice and simple for you. It's very simple, aren't we kind? That's all for this week. We'll see you next Monday. That's what she said. Don't miss a thing. Miss a thing. Check out the show notes at blog.responsesuite.com.